0: This episode of Blue Shirt Breakaway is brought to you by you, the fans. That's right, you out there. We are at 965 Patreon subscribers. That is ridiculous. We're trying to get to 1,000, because that feels like a cool number to be at. And uh, we might do something fun and crazy if we do that. Uh, We'll pitch some ideas over the next couple weeks. So if you want to become a supporter, go to patreon.com slash Breakaway today. Get access to our BSBOT episodes, including post-game reactions to every single playoff game. I think with the exception of just one so far, because we were at a bar doing a live show. Uh, But very fun times. Get access to our Discord and a bunch of other nonsense as well. Fun show today, we have Shayna Goldman. She comes on to discuss the Carolina Hurricanes series, what's going on with Igor Shesterkin? a.k.a. Why is he so good, and some other things. So without further ado, let's get to Mark Messier and get to the show, shall we? Here we go.
1: Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast.
0: Break events. Welcome to the Bush Breakaway. I am your host Ryan Mead On patreon.com where you can support this podcast, and I'm here with my co-host Greg Kaplan. Greg, say hello.
1: Oh uh, boy, here we are again. You know, Ryan, just rich boys you, for two for two guys for two guys who don't really care for each other or know anything too much. Yep. Yeah. This is like I'm starting to understand the whole Mike and the Mad Dog element of everything. You think it makes sense? No, I, I, well, Ryan, if you and I did a show together for five straight days, for the hours that- Oh, did, I would have killed you. Oh, you think, you think you strike the first blow? No,
0: you definitely stab me in the back first. That's a fact. In the back? Fuck that. <laughs> right in the face. No, you, you, like, tap me on the shoulder to make me turn around before the knife goes in. Anyway, the Rangers are up, uh, they won last game. <laughs> where did, where, where were you going with this?
1: No, no, I just wanted to remind people that you- That we I actually did. hate each other? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, don't, pod- it, I will say this, I would, this podcast would suck if we were, like, legitimately friends
0: Yeah, sometimes I suck. sometimes I podcast with my, our friend Vinny, who we're going to see this weekend And it's like, you know, it's really oh, nice, see, but It's his fucking weekend it's,
1: I, The amount of times, by the way, I've told Vinny that he's a fucking piece of shit for inviting you uh, uh, Through the roof
0: Why? I mean, I'm legitimately friends with Vinny outside of, you know, your friendship with him
1: <laughs> I know that sounds crazy We do talk, like, because a it, lot yeah, we, we talk, you and I talk too much. We need to talk less. Everybody needs to talk do. less. We're gonna, you know what, Ryan? Here's the great news. We're going to fucking talk again tomorrow. It's going to be the third straight fucking day yeah. that we're going to talk. We're also going to talk on Thursday.
0: So there you go. That's, that's a lot. You know why we're going to talk? We're going to talk on BSBOTs on Patreon where you're going to hear our post-game reactions to all the games. Fun. Uh, let's recap the last two games for the listeners who didn't really uh, get to listen to us. The Rangers lost game two in, uh, in a fashion that was disgusting. I think that's as far as we have to go. The top six didn't show up. No one really showed up. Rangers got shut out. One-nothing one game until 10 seconds left in the game. It was a disgusting showing. Rangers bounced back in game three. In game three, Gerard Gallant said, you know what? It's blender time. He switched everybody around. The lines came out. Everything looked new, happy, and fun. End of first period. Fun times crashed in the net. Good times because the scoring. Gallant said, I've seen enough of this garbage. Switched back, <laughs> switched back to the kid line and the former lines he had before. Uh, Igor Shasurka became literally Super Saiyan 4, God mode or whatever you want to call it. And then uh, the Raiders won the game two 3-1 uh, to one with an empty net goal where Tyler Mott scored and our Blue Shirts Breakaway Parlay of the Day for DraftKings hit at that time. How was that recap?
1: That was pretty good. I also remind people, because I know what people are going to be like, oh, Greg, come on, your parlays are still 1 for 10. And here's, here's what I'd like, to, I'd like to educate them a little bit. Well, no, Had you ten. bet $10 on every single one of these same-game parlays, you'd be up $30 right now because it only takes one baby. And that's the magic of gambling. And the next
0: one's going to hit too. So don't worry.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. The next one off the top of my head, I do think the next goal scorer I have is Phil Heedle. I'm, yeah. I'm loving the. We're riding the Heedle train. I like the heel thing. I do. I, I have become
0: more apt and I'm not really like, this is a surprise to anyone who listened to this show for a long time, but Heedle looks really good at wing. And I would like to see more of that experiment. Sometimes soon. that?
1: One of my first, very first hot takes on the podcast.
0: No, what of your very first was trade Chris Kreider. Um, but yes, <laughs> that was
1: that was 2017. I also think one of my friends was like Dan Girardi might actually not be that bad. I think you all are really too hard on him. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. We've done a Sim- lot. Simpler
1: time. Yeah, twenty something. Greg, let me tell you, that kid knew fucking nothing. The good news is, 33 year old Greg also knows nothing to difference between the two. He's more aware of how little he knows now very true um yeah i so let's talk about the line blender and then the unblender shall we yeah sure because i have i have an important question i need to ask you i'm ready for it the first two games the new york rangers played they were low event hockey games but would you say that they were defensively sound i would agree with you if you were I, I, I'm sorry i didn't agree i didn't yeah, say I, was, I let me
0: finish what are you with? let me finish if you were saying that they were defensively sound i would agree with you but i do believe they were Low, low contest because there was not really a lot of pressure on Igor
1: in both games at all. Because Gallant came out after the game and said, the whole reason I went back to the previous lines is I liked what they have been doing defensively at the beginning of this series. And we wanted to play a more defensive game. And it did lead me to think, do I think the Rangers played well defensively in the first two games? And it's, it's hard to make the case that they didn't because... The Hurricanes, they look terrible. That's part of the reason reason why we were so angry, or at least I was angry, you were sad, after game two was generally about the fact that games one and two were incredibly winnable because we felt the Carolina Hurricanes did not play well with the exception of the third period in game one. In the first two games of the series, of the six-plus periods the Penguins played, I think only one did they, uh, the Penguins, the Hurricanes, uh... I can only think of one period in which the Hurricanes looked really good in those first two games. But I was thinking today is do I think the Rangers as a team defensive unit were responsible for the way the Hurricanes were playing? And I'm not not entirely sure I can make a good case for yes. At the same time, I know I can't make a case for no. So I understand that this has been a theme, I feel like, for the last two series where – Druglant does something that I don't agree with, but I can at least understand the philosophy in which he got there. So I can understand the philosophy in which he got there with a two goal lead and thinking, all right, fine. I have my two goal cushion. We're going to have to play a little bit more defensive while also not necessarily waving the white flag offensively. What's the best way I can do that? Oh, I know my top nine lines that I used in the first two games. Seemed pretty good at shutting down offense. It sounds logic, so on and on and on right? Back. Like, hey, it's it's not. You see it. I I don't agree with it because again, I think I think too often we are um we look within to find what what went well and what went poorly instead of looking at the other shoe and figuring out were were the Rangers doing something good or were the Hurricanes doing something bad. And I think games one and two, I am much more in the camp of. The Hurricanes were just doing something bad, as not not to take credit away from the Rangers, but at, at the same time, they lost both those games. You get no credit. You fucking failed. So it's fine. I I just I struggle with the. For me, I think I think I subscribe to the sometimes, honestly, the Hurricane style of hockey, which is a good offense is better than a good defense because you if you have the puck, you don't have to worry about defending the puck. And while I think the – I mean, look, you don't have to be a genius. The Rangers were giving up a lot of shots, but Steve Vallaquette would be the first one to tell you those shots were not necessarily high-danger events. So you're limiting the golden opportunities for the Hurricanes with the lines that you had. Igor Shostakovich will eat up – except for one, I understand – but he'll eat up 99.9%. Of these weak shots from bad yeah. positions. Just, just to speak the to Hurricanes that little bit, at
0: them. Uh, Greg, for, per, per Valiquette, 25, 25 were low event, three were mid-event, and three were uh, six were high percent chance shots of the 34 yeah. chances
1: they had. You, ta- you take that every day and twice on Sunday. You absolutely sure. do.
0: And that's where I wanted to not rebuttal your point, but sort of add to it, where the Rangers in the first two games weren't playing Ranger hockey. And what I mean by that is relying on the power play and just relying on Igor Shosturkin because they weren't relying on Igor Shosturkin and were preventing the Hurricanes from just taking shots or forechecking checking in certain ways or preventing uh, them from getting into the zone. They weren't—I don't want to say they weren't trusting Igor. They obviously trust Igor, but the, the the Rangers thrive when Igor faces like forty shots. He's undefeated when he faces forty shots, uh, with the exception of one time he faced eighty-two, and. If you can kind of rely on Igor Shosturkin to save your ass in those games, you can play a bit, little bit of more of a loose transition style where you can kind of play up ice, wait for Igor to do a breakout pass, or Adam Fox to hit you across the ice, or Panarin to hit you across the ice with a transition. And then that'll give you your scoring opportunities that you need. The Rangers can get out shot and win. They've done it all year long. I mean, we've since October, we've been talking about uh, periods where the Rangers were down like, I don't know, 10 to 3 shots, but the Rangers would be up one nothing. There's a lot of like, haha, that's hockey, but also that that's sort of their strategy, which is we're going to counterattack, we're going to counterpunch, and when you have bad shots that we can do, we can break out off of, then we're going to capitalize on that. And I felt like in the first two games, they were really never, I mean, after the first period of the first game, they were really never in control or playing that sort of style. It was sort of like well, a turtle style instead.
1: Well, let me let me ask you an honest question here, Ryan. Sure. Were the New York Rangers playing? against their typical style of hockey or were their stars just playing poorly I think it's a little bit of both and I feel like that's a cop out answer Yeah I I think it is a cop out answer I think I don't think the Rangers were doing anything terribly different in a, Listen I it game 1 the Rangers played well right we we forget how well the Rangers played in game 1 cuz two games have transpired since then including an absolute dirty diaper that was game two. But the first two periods of game one, probably the best two periods the Rangers have played at any point in these playoffs. It just so happened that they ran into the hottest goalie they were going to run into in these playoffs and auntie Ranta. I, I think back to what our BSBOT sounded like uh, after that first game. And listen, it was super hard to be critical of the way the Rangers played. Like sometimes them, the breaks, And you don't win those games. They got goalie. That's fine. I, I liked the things the Rangers were doing in game one. I think in game two, the narrative is not, oh, the Rangers got away from their style of hockey. The narrative in game two was, you know, the top six sucked. And I'll just put it bluntly like that, which makes game three as encouraging as it was, because at least two parts, Chris Kreider and Mika Zibanejad decided, okay, that's enough of that. We're playing some hockey now. We're going to step up and we're going to carry this team because we are leaders and we will lead by example. Um, I can't I can't really agree with you if you're suggesting the Rangers got away from what got them here. I think they were trying to play that. They just sucked in game two. Sometimes sometimes you just got to take a step back and say that wasn't good enough. And I think that is probably the most blunt we can be about game two. They weren't good enough. They the weren't Stars enough. were not good enough.
0: They weren't, but I think you can agree, at least on your side, that Rangers the Ranger style hockey was all game three. It was exactly where they wanted that
1: game to go. Yeah. Yeah, because again, yes, the 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 bare naked shot numbers look pretty glaring, right? And part of that is intended. The Rangers are a counterattacking team. They haven't played all year as a team that likes to control the puck at five v five. They like to take their chances when they get them. They will, when they have the puck, they're hard to get it off their stick. The problem is the Rangers, more than most teams, are willing to take the puck off their stick themselves by dumping. Um, I I think, but at the same time, the Rangers forwards, when they are playing at their best, are limiting those high danger chances against, which is what they did, maybe not to perfection against the Hurricanes, but those were low-calorie shots. And... You know, Igor Shostarkin's on the keto diet. I'm not worried about him. He'll eat low-calorie shots The best way to beat
0: Igor is the way the Penguins beat him, which is by those really weird angle shots right on the side of the net. Just throw it up high and just figure it out. The Canes, the way they're shooting is just from the blue line or from the outside of the crease of the circles. And Igor's really strong from those spots. You have to, like, throw something particularly strange at him for him to really let it through. And that's exactly by the way that wonky goal went in. in Yeah, Igor
1: Igor will be the first one to tell you that game three should have been a shutout. He's embarrassed that that goal went in. He was upset about it. His quote about how he was so encouraged, the crowd started chanting his name, and it lifted him up because he let them down on that goal. That's as close to Igor in broken English that you're going to get to him saying, that was a softy, I fucked up. Um, Yeah, I... I don't know. I just, I got my point here is my problem with Gallant after game three was that he felt he needed to be more defensive when I don't think he had to be. And sometimes, I mean, that is as close to David Quinn as he's gotten this year because Quinn notoriously would be making so many changes that he wouldn't even realize the moments in time in which he doesn't have to make a change to me. There really was no point in reverting back to the old lines at any point in game three. I mean, that top line, it was criminal to take Heedle off that top line. He was buzzing it's the best. Heedles looked great all postseason, and I'm confident in saying that's the best he's looked at any point in time. I don't know why you'd want to break that up just because you think Frank Vitrano, of all people, is more defensively responsible. That doesn't, that, that doesn't check. That doesn't vibe, not with me. Uh, I'll be I'll be very interested to see what lines Galant starts with in game four. I, I, I think it would be a massive misstep if he didn't start game four the same way he started game three. He, force the Hurricanes to make their adjustment now because the adjustment you made to them has worked to this point. So force their hand to do something different that disrupts their style of play that disrupts their game, that takes them out of what they want to do, and see if you can continue to dominate.
0: He did allude that there would be some changes happening again for Game Yeah, but four. he's a fucking liar, Ryan. What that's do you true want? too. I mean, yeah, that's why I can't quote him man. He's he's a liar, that's for sure. Uh, do you th- think he? The only thing he's ever told the truth about is telling Tony, D'Angelo Tony D'Angelo shut the fuck up. Yeah, that he. Uh, yeah. I, I forget some of the. I think he called him not a bozo, um, which would have been great if he called him a bozo a yapper, was something like that, and then he had, bozo
1: bozo mightily underused uh don't think he said that
0: again i'm lying now I, i can't find the exact quote but he did tell him some curse words for sure uh and now ryan reeves had to answer some interesting quotes today do you think reeves starts anything in game four i say no
1: no and we talked about this in ot as well where the one the last thing i want are for the rangers to go out there hunting for blood because again don't do anything that takes you out of your game if you go out there think about it right like um the bubble series we don't think much about it but we do think about it occasionally the rangers were trying to hit the hurricanes out of the playoffs it didn't work because the hurricanes were ready for it not just were they ready for it they're like "Mm, you're just not going to hit me the problem with trying to lay hits is the just simple statement of fact that if you are the team hitting you don't have control of the puck and that's exactly what the carolina hurricanes want they want puck possession. They want to take their shot attempts, and they want to keep cycling the puck, rinse and repeat. So if you're just hunting for hits, forget it. Hurt, you know what will hurt the Hurricanes most? Sending them home. That would hurt more than laying some big check on Vincent Trocek. You really – this, this, this shit – this is why I also hate pitchers throwing at hitters, right? You want to you wanna make the other team angry? You want to get back at the other team? Beat them. Embarrass them. You don't need to fucking throw at them. You don't need to give them a free base runner. What? No, fuck that. Beat them on the scoreboard. That's where it hurts the most. That's where they're going to remember. That's where you make your difference. Fuck this. This eye for an eye, shit. I don't care about it. I want to win. That's simple. I just love when you
0: like just go full cursing for like a sentence. It's like there was one word there that wasn't a curse. <laughs> it's like analysis. We did it. Um, <laughs> great well, podcast. Am I, am
1: I wrong? Feel no, you're not wrong. I'm it wrong? just makes me
0: laugh. That's all. Uh, heading into uh, what was I was gonna say about Ryan Reeves. Oh my god, I was gonna say something else about him. I totally forgot because I just lost my train of thought. Speaking of good podcasting, am I right, guys? Mm.
1: hmm never mind then uh let's move on really really good that your company might be listening to this part of the podcast i'm sure that's great <laughs>
0: yeah that's great <laughs> hey hey i
1: heard you're an expert
0: podcaster yeah hold on i can't remember what i said think or can't write or read you mispronounce all the names at the end of the podcast
1: every week <laughs> They're gonna find out that the guy's name is like actually Ryan Rivay or some shit. Yeah. And you are just like,
0: Reeves! Fun times. Fun times. Well that would that's the next press conference when uh Reveille comes out and says it's actually Rivae. And not you've been saying it wrong my entire career.
2: <laughs> what?
1: Imagine. Imagine. Very, very strange. Who's uh, who's I, the player who's the player on the Rangers that would shock you the most if we had just been saying they're like it the the K is actually signing Kreider?
0: Yeah, I think Kreider was the one I was thinking about first. It's like actually it's Chris Ryder. <laughs> 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 you guys, I never told you, but all right. Um, moving on, let's go to, uh, I guess with, we expect line changes. We I don't expect retali- retaliation. I don't think Reeves is going to do anything. I think we expect all the same D pairs. Nothing else is going to change. Uh, and that's the, I mean, we have to bring it back 2-2. If the Rangers go down 3-1, do you think this series is over? Because I think not at all. I mean, this is a team that can fight back, has fought back against Pittsburgh. I mean, it's, I know it's a dead sentence at that point, but at least they're used to it.
1: I don't know uh, the Hurricanes being Game Seven being in Carolina and the Hurricanes being six and zero at home right now. It would feel it's different when it's the first series. You have history with playing Penguins well in the regular season. You do all the math considering Crosby missed the game, Doming started multiple games. There was no Dumoulin. Zucker missed a couple games. Boyle left. There were enough reasons why it's like the Rangers really shouldn't lose to this team. But with the Hurricanes. We went into the series thinking the Rangers were the lesser of two teams. The Hurricanes won games they didn't deserve to win just because sometimes, as we've said in the past, that's what good teams do. If the Rangers were down 3-1, I think it's a vastly different mountain to climb. It's like climbing Kilimanjaro was the Penguins. You're fucking climbing Everest, buddy, against the Hurricanes.
0: With you. Bay Lightning will be up next if the Rangers can can make it through
1: this. I, so here's my thought. Yeah. I got. I have a. I here's my thing. Uh, I think people get too caught up in what time of the night it was when they left, because they were. We nice. forget. Well, no, yeah, we forget that professional athletes they they're not working nine to fives. They don't have to be ready for work until about five thirty p.m. So why do I care if they left the club some fourteen hours before they have to report back to work? They live th- the. Their night, their day just starts when we go to sleep after the game. It's really funny when you compare it.
0: Like if they went to a Dave and Buster's,
1: no one's upset.
0: Not one person <laughs> is upset if someone goes to a Dave and Buster's, or if they all went to if they all went out to just let let's say they got like a couple drinks and went out to dinner right after the game. I don't think is anybody super pissed about that. My thing is, all right,
1: you're gonna claim. The, so all, just so everyone's claimed-
0: clear, I want to make sure that everyone understands what's going on. My apologies. Uh The Florida, there's a rumor. I think it's being confirmed. This guy says he has the best
1: sources in strip club history, uh, from Florida radio, by the way, I will happily challenge him on
0: this. (laughs) Me too. Uh, he said that the Florida Panthers had gone out after their game three loss for stamp Bay lightning to a strip club. Uh, and some people are angry about it and other people uh, don't care. I think you and I are firmly in the do not care category.
1: Well, here's my criticism about it. It has nothing to do with the act. You're right. I don't care about the act. But this this just further proves my point that Sunrise is the middle of fucking nowhere and is not actually part of Miami. Because here's the thing, if that team actually enjoyed going to strip clubs, they'd be going more often. They'd be going in Miami and they wouldn't be wasting their time trying to find tail in Tampa. So it's that this is again another reason why, in my narrative, we can continue to sit shit on Sunrise, Florida, because. Sunrise is not near Miami. It's far enough away where these guys haven't actually seen the good, good. They are settling for mid strippies, so and I gotta tell them, like, well, first of all, by mid strippies, I mean the environment in which the strip club <laughs> exists. Gonna, I am not commenting right at all quick. about the talent. Post- I am not. I am not. I am not commenting at all about yeah, the talent that makes up gonna the roster in terms of that part. facility. It's okay. You can I, shut up. I'm cutting. No, it. that shit stays <laughs> in. The world needs to know. It, I'm sorry. If it's a hot take that I say Miami is number one, two, or three in terms of strippies and Tampa is somewhere in the 40s, fucking sue me, Ryan. I'm sorry for speaking the truth. Someone needs to talk about it. All right. There As are our rankings. rankings. We should. I- I'm not. I'm not. I'm also not here. Ryan, I got news for you. I'm not saying Albany, New York is the best place in the world to live. I know what you're saying. I'm just trying to get you out of trouble. That's it. (laughs) I am not in trouble. I am just speaking facts. It's my job.
0: sir. It's my job. I will leave it in. All right. Uh, Yeah, I I don't have a problem with that. Congratulations. Congratulations, everybody. You want to do some five-star questions or did you finish your thought?
1: I I finished my thought. It doesn't look like the Florida Panthers finished any of theirs, if you know what I'm saying. That's for sure. All right. Also, you're a professional athlete. Come on. A strip club. Just what are you doing?
0: Let's get to five stars. We have done it in a couple weeks. We'll we'll, uh, we'll start doing these again. It's been a little busy with the playoffs, as you guys probably have noticed. Well listen, if you wanna to to leave a five star question, go to Discord, uh on our, our Patreon and leave a five star question in the five star questions channel. Okay, let's go. This is from Phoenix uh no, no, it's not from Phoenix This is from C Nuggies twelve. Do you What was
1: that name? What was that? Okay. The, the just, C Nuggies twelve. Okay. I wanted to make sure we weren't slandering Seamus again.
0: Nope. <laughs> Sorry, Seamus. Seamass, Uh Do you think Blade plays if he's healthy this series? If who who gets scratched?
1: Uh, Reeves. It's probably Reeves. It.
0: Uh, I can't. You're, not, you're no. not
1: taking out Mott. No way. You I can see Rooney a little bit, but probably. I not. can't. Not with. Not with. Face-offs. How big of a narrative faceoffs have become? Oh, and in this seven uh,
0: streak last night for Rooney. Tough times for him on the faceoffs. Uh, this we, is. From, we made
1: it twenty-five minutes in this podcast. We didn't even mention faceoffs once.
0: Oh, what? Well, we're better than ESPN.
1: Because, <laughs> because Well again, ESPN's ESPN's for the casual Ryan in this podcast, nothing casual about
0: it. I understand that I'm getting more and more upset by the day by ESPN. I don't want to get into it. I know it's just it's I think we should why wouldn't we want to get into it? It's, it's worthless for me saying it because I know your point and it's a really strong point. It's not for me. It's not for me. But when they not talk about be for you, Ryan. But when they talk about face-offs like every other sentence for twenty minutes of a game. It's it's not even just the Rangers. They kept talking about the importance of faceoff constantly, constantly, constantly. I
1: do think, yeah, but if the Rangers had the faceoff advantage, I think you one wouldn't notice and two wouldn't care. It's just because they're they're reminding you that there's an aspect of this game in which your team sucks, and they, that's why it. They do. It, there was times though where
0: I was trying to be unbiased and I was trying to just be open minded about ESPN, and it was like, okay, I could count the number of times they said faceoff in the past couple of sentences, and it is over fifty. So it was unbearable.
1: I'm getting un- upset. Un- up. I do think I do think it's unbearable because it's slandering the Rangers.
0: I also some of the goal calls. I will. The Mika of Interjet goal call was good. The Lafreniere goal call in Game One was lackluster. That's just Sean McDonough, though. That's see now. Now you're just not understanding the broadcaster. I don't get him. I don't really get it yet. I don't fully get it. I like Ray Ferraro. Kind of on board with him. Outside of that, yeah. I, don't-
1: I mean, I I'm a big Bob with shoes and guy. So like, I'm. It, if I had a hierarchy of play-by-play men at ESPN, I don't think Sean McDonough would be number one. But I also, I've seen Sean McDonough call enough sports where he's just calling hockey like he calls anything else. Like he does college football, like he does basketball. This is it's this is just Sean McDonough. So if you don't like him, I got news for you. You're probably not going to like him calling any other sports. He's not going anywhere else. I know. I understand that.
0: Uh, this is from Benny. Watching Rata make the beautiful toe save makes me think, are we that good at finding goalies? Hank, Igor, Talbot, Ranta, et cetera, or is Alaire just that good of a goalie coach/slash developer? It's Alaire. It's Alaire. Well,
1: right, because Alaire is involved in the scouting process too. He is. It's not like it's not like the team just brings a goalie that Alaire doesn't get an opinion or an say on and just goes, throws the unmolded clay in front of him and says, make me God. Right? Alaire, Alaire, anytime the Rangers draft a goalie, Benoit Alaire is involved in that process. Anytime the Rangers sign a goalie, Benoit Alaire is involved in that process. Benoit Alaire has the power in the organization where the guys that are here are here because of Alaire and he brought them here. So, um, I yeah, I, I think it's Alaire top to bottom. It, this is his show. He's that guy.
0: Uh, yeah, it, I couldn't agree more. He is. There's a reason why they, they fired a lot of people and they promoted Alaire. He's, he's he's the real deal. He's he couldn't be anything more than he already is, and he's well respected within the organization, every everywhere around. Uh, this is from D. O'Ryan. Hank's signature move when you know, when you knew he was a king mode was a headbutt save. What's Igor's? Somebody responded. Uh, Viking Giraffe responded in this thread saying it's when he pulls the breakout pass, and I agree with him. Right now, it's that breakout pass for Kreider and Mika versus Pittsburgh, where he just drops it on the blue line. I, I thought he had a couple was, of those. He moments. was
1: ripping a couple yesterday too.
0: Yeah, he's. His puck play and his ability to pass the puck is what makes makes Igor special. He's had special saves. The windmill save in game two, I believe it was, was one of them. Uh, he's, he's had a couple of, of great saves throughout the series, do not get me wrong. But the ability to, to come out of the net, well, even like the diving save where he stops uh, KK from, from making a move there, or where he uh, he, just, he just drops dimes like right by the blue line, and he's beautiful at it every single time. Something that Henrik never really did It's so special to watch Igor do it with such did, confidence. Did
1: you Did you call him KK because you knew you weren't going to say Kotenyami
0: right? I knew it. Yeah, yeah that's exactly Kot Kenyami. There are Co-ten- two K's in there. yeah, that's literally why I, I did that. So yeah,
1: yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. No, it's just when Igor's on the ice, the Rangers are legitimately skating six skaters. Right? He doesn't. Yes, he's a fantastic goalie between the pipes. But he does things with the puck on his stick that no other goalie is capable of doing. It's the combination it, that
0: makes him so, so, so special.
1: Yeah, he's he's one of one. He has no comp. He has no comparable in the National Hockey League right now. And I think honestly, I think that's why I get so frustrated when people talk about Vasilevsky as this god. You're like, yes, I get it. It's earned. He's very good. Extent. Very good. But it it feels to me a little disrespectful every time someone's like, it's Vasilevsky, and then someone else. Excuse you. Excuse you. A, it, if you want to put Vasilevsky on that top tier, fine. But you will include Igor on that top tier, sir.
0: Yeah, I think he's earned it. I mean, I think he has the. He's on pace for like some ridiculous goal saves against average, or like, and he was pulled two games in Pittsburgh for the playoffs. I know he leads the, uh, or he's close to leading. I don't know. I gotta find the exact stats. I don't want to lie to you all. All right. So this is from. Sorry, my dude. For Greg, we know that sports karma in New York is real. So with Scherzer news coming out, what does this mean for the Rangers?
1: Well, it has been good so far, right? Yeah. The Scherzer the Scherzer injury happened just as the game time goal in round one was scored. Honestly, the Rangers played game two as if they were all Met fans and they were really coming to terms with the fact that it might be two months before either Jacob deGrom or Max Scherzer throws a fucking pitch. Also, I love being able to tell the people who are somewhat new to the podcast because they always comment on the Patreon being like, Ryan, can you tell Greg? that he needs to stop caring about May baseball the same way he cares about Ranger playoff no, hockey. No, it's
0: guys. Let me, I'll handle this, Gregory. <laughs> I'll handle this, please. I've been doing this podcast for seven years this November. This was a conversation we had year one and year two. And after that, I went, I can't stop the nature of the beast. There's nothing you could do. There's, there's something special about the way Greg feels. Whatever you want to call it special, psychopathic. Uh, uh, mental disorder, the way he feels about the the New York Mets, it's just there. It's who he is. It's ingrained in his blood. And it's what also makes him so good at this stupid podcast. So, yes, I wanted him to stop talking about the Mets. And at some point in your life, you just accept it. And it, it, it it's part of what it is. It's part of who you
1: are, Gregory. It's part of what makes you great. There you go. But to my point, a win in May equals the same as a win in September. And if you've ever watched a team blow a seven-game lead with just 17 games to play, you too would take May game seriously even if your team had an eight-game lead on May 23rd. That's just the way it is. I'm sorry. I I I love the New York Rangers. I enjoy the New York Rangers. I would disband the New York Rangers if it meant even giving me a 5% chance at a Mets winning a World Series. You have a 5% now i think i have more i might have more than five percent yeah, you're anything. not disbanding
0: the rangers because i know you like doing this podcast for a lot of reasons too much I promise
1: well, you're none of those reasons by the way and trust me, but also we started
0: the podcast by saying that
1: i uh to to be clear my living room has two tvs one is like a 60 something inch tv the other a little 30 inch guy and the rangers have been on the 60 incher i'm just saying the rangers god, get 60 god bless you. TV you're so brave gregory <laughs> I'm just saying, if you think I'm not prioritizing playoffs over May baseball, I'd have the Mets on the 60 incher and the Rangers on the little guy. No, 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 no. We've been putting the Rangers on the big guy. I understand these games are important. I get it. I get it. Uh,
2: this but I
1: also is understand best. that, you know, a Sunday afternoon start by Carlos Carrasco is very important, too.
0: What a what a podcast this is for TSE twelve thirty one. At what point does Mott's line become the Motley Crew line? Right now, congratulations, that's your trademark. Uh,
1: I love Mott. I really. He's got to be the he's one. one. He's the one. He's the only one I'm keeping. I got. I'm. I'm. Strom. I got to tell you, I'm. I. Do I'm you out. find yourself just getting? I'm just getting angrier at him now. I, love I don't R- know what it is, dude. and I
0: think he's. I think he's so good for this team in the regular season. I think it's going to be really underrated when he leaves. How much he was, how, how effective he was as a New York Ranger and how much he really brought to this team, especially on a locker room side basis. But I, I, like the way that he's performed in this playoffs, and I know like Artemi Panarin is hurt. I get that. I think Adam Fox is hurting. I would understand that. I don't know how, how hurt Ryan Strome is, but he has been an invisible man this entire time. And I wish he'd be, he, he comes alive for those moments where he wants you to think he's going to score and does not.
1: Yeah, I just I've never been more good on a player, I think, in my entire life. I well, good news, I you can resign
0: him because he's lost a lot of money in these playoffs.
1: I don't want him. I'm good. Like I am good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm literally trying to think of a player. I think I I I wasn't even this good on Kevin Hayes because the the the, the situation was completely different. Hayes was a great player that just didn't fit a timeline. So for me it got to a point like You're not going to give Kevin Hayes a six-year contract if the first three years of that contract are middling. And I got that. I literally don't think there's been a player in the history of my fandom with the Rangers and in the history of this podcast where as a still high-performing player on their walk year have I ever been like, no, I'm fine. Thank you. You can go now. I appreciate your service, but I'm good. I, I think... I do think Ryan Strom takes the cake. I like. I don't even think I was. I could conv- I could have given myself reasons for the Mets to bring back Conforto more than I can the range. You still can. <laughs> no, I can't. Well, he's not playing this year, so I, I got nothing for that man. I uh, I think I'm a little higher on Ryan Strom than you are, but this. this... Well, yeah, because it, all you have to be is like five percent interested. Then you are correct. A little higher than me on Ryan Strom.
0: Totally fair. This one's from Z from a couple weeks ago, but I think it's still important to read. Uh, hey, can you guys talk on the pod about advanced stat people on Twitter? I don't know how they could just boil down hockey to 5v5 expected goals and pretend like the goalie isn't a part of the team. Uh, there's a lot of expected uh, stats people we respect on, on Twitter and respect their opinions. Jay, huh?
1: Jay Fresh is not one of them.
0: Jay Fresh not one of them. Hockey stat minor, definitely one. Uh, Evolving Wild, love those guys. Love the Twins. Uh, some others as well. And I, I do think there is there, there comes a time where you have to – um, boil it down to some factors that you could see on the ice, the chemistry, there, there is a, there is a mix of eye tests and stats that are really, really important. And I think that's what we try and do in this podcast. Greg understands the analytics. I absolutely do not. I'm on purpose, Whoa. by the way. Wait,
1: I do. I think you I, heard, I, I think understand. You I red, understand blue bar, good red bar, bad.
0: Okay. So that's exactly what I understand. So I was giving you more credit than I, than I expected. I just think you're smart. I'm sorry. Well, well,
1: I mean, yes, I am. Compared okay. to you, I'm, I'm fucking road okay. scholar. Right. For sure. Uh, I, I, well, because here's here. So here's my pushback. The thing that we've talked about this before, but we'll bring it up again. I think what makes um, hockey and basketball, but I, I think hockey's even harder than basketball. Basketball stats have like, gotten really good. Really, basketball basketball stats are good, but like baseball stats are easy because every event in a baseball game can be broken down by one pitch, one swing, right? So it's it's completely independent events meshed into one larger picture, but every single aspect of baseball, you can measure it in real time. And I get that with hockey. There's a lot of fucking just, a, there's a lot of noise happening at all time. And I will say this. I, I it's, it's not that I don't think you need a deserve to win meter to tell you when the Rangers are playing well and when the Rangers are playing poorly, like We can all diagnose when the Rangers at 5v5 don't look that great. It's not that hard. It it, it usually hits you square in the fucking mouth. Um, But I also do think it's important to understand the aspects in which the Rangers struggle on those advanced metrics. Whether you agree with them or not, I think it's important to know that your team is not always going to play fantastic. So having the advanced stats to highlight the area's that you know with your naked eye aren't good but then also the areas where you have an opinion and it doesn't i think it's good to have your opinion challenged right if we came on this podcast and everyone here was just confirming every opinion we've ever had about the new york rangers i got news for you be a really fucking boring podcast the hell we'd talk about we'd have to talk about the mets more it's the only thing we disagree about (laughs) like it's i think it's important for I I love the advanced stats because I don't want them to agree with me at all times. I can sit here and say something like, I don't think Ryan Strom has been that good defensively for the New York Rangers. And you know what? Evolving Wild would be like, Greg, you're an idiot. Here you go. Look at all these blue bars. He's actually playing quite well. And I'd be like, well, boy, how about that? Or like Jacob Trouba is a good one, right? Because with the human eye, I don't have a problem with him, And most of the advanced stats don't have a problem with him. But then when an idiot, is just like Jacob Trouba is not in the representative, Jacob Trouba bad. I get to be like, well, now hold on, Sailor. I don't think so. You go check out your stubby clap somewhere else. Get out of my face. Jacob Chuba, pretty good.
0: Yeah, I agree. There's It makes the conversation a little more interesting, especially when you're just... when you If you were just like a red blue, uh, blue bar good, red bar bad guy, like that's it. like You could just end the debate there. It's like, hey, here's a chart. I'm right, you're wrong. To me, that's so boring. That's why we don't do that. All right. Uh, let's transition over to our guest, Shana Goldman, frequent guest of the show, and uh, we'll come right back. But Before that, here's a uh, a little ad from our dear sponsor, Transition.
1: Rangers fans, listen up. The pursuit for the Stanley Cup is on. And DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, continues to have unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet $5, just $5, you've spent it worse in your life, on any team to win. And you get $100 in free bets, no matter what, win or lose. Don't even need a win. Just need a bet to $5, you get the $100 in free bets back. And if you're looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the playoffs, that's where the DraftKings' same-game parlays come in. That's how you maximize your money. By the way, Blue Shirts Breakaway, we sponsor one of these every day. Hit it in Game 3. We're trying to get you paid. And you can also create your own parlay by combining multiple bets, like which team will win how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code BLUESHIRTS. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code BlueShirts. And a, on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility, eligibility excuse me, restrictions apply. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral service can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER or 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-522-4700. In Colorado and New Hampshire, 888 888- 789 7777 in Connecticut. 1 800 bets off in Iowa. 1 877 770 stop in Louisiana. 8778 hope and or text hope and why in New York. Visit OPR OPGR.org in Oregon. Call or text Tennessee Redline 1 800 889 9789 in Tennessee or 1 888 532 3500 in Virginia. Hey, we're back with our first guest of the day. We have Shayna
0: Goldman of number two, almost number one podcast, Too Many Men, and also the athletic Shayna Goldman. Welcome to the show. Welcome back. What is this? Your two thousandth appearance at this point in time?
2: I don't know, but it's my favorite podcast, so I'll appear wow. on it all day, every day. I'm so happy to hear you yeah. say that because
0: I thought you were going to big time us because now you're, you know, you're a big time Too Many Men. It's like you have the, you're a star now and you were a star before. I don't know what I'm talking about. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, i'm happy
2: to come
0: on i have two questions to start um for you
2: okay
0: uh, number one and I'll, I'll do them both in a row how is igor chesterkin doing this i think he's having a revolutionary pod uh, podcast wow jesus christ playoff <laughs> revolutionary podcast experience revolutionary <laughs> playoff experience he's crushing he's being igor like he, ha- he always has been and also uh to, to add to that why not us why not us um well
2: chester can delete so, mm-hmm. you know, elite goalies doing elite goalie things uh, this round to the Rangers credit in especially game one. They did protect the quality areas very well, but, you know, they have elite goaltending. So, yeah, he's someone that said, "Do you, I don't know if you remember the quote. He was like, I like shots against. He likes to be busy. So, hey, good for you. Now you're going to be busy. But he just uh, he keeps matching a very good performance with an even better performance. And, you know, it's amazing to watch. He was outstanding in game three and why not us so why not the rangers having a chance i mean look we're talking about a sport that people skate around with knives on their boots and throwing (laughs) pucks around at 100 (laughs) miles per hour and crushing bodies into boards and they play on this slippery surface called ice where who the fuck knows what's going to happen so why not anybody if you're in the playoffs like go off
1: Shano, this has been a talking point we've discussed ad nauseum at this point because we've done more podcasts than uh any normal human being would care to listen to but in your esteemed opinion is it fair to say that the hurricanes actually played their best game in game three
2: i think that's fair i think they were really good in game two as well but no they played well in game three i think if you look at the two games head to head the difference is the rangers did not get to the quality areas of the ice in game two because carolina kept them out of it And then in game three, the uh, Carolina picked up their shot quantity and they were the Corsi that we expect them to be. But the Rangers did get to those areas of the the ice a little bit more. But I did think that they were really great in the game. I mean, if you look at the final score, you might be thinking one thing, but also look at what Chester can saved. It was what two goals above expected. So if I remember correctly, like that right there should tell you what you need to know as good as the Rangers were. And as much as they did come out on top, they still needed their goaltender to be the great equalizer in the game, to be the difference maker. And it's because Carolina was very good.
0: Carolina is very good, but I have a feeling they haven't played their best game yet. I know game three was that Carolina hurricane game where they can kind of uh, smother you with a ton of shots, right? And just out possession you and you is going to have to be his elite self to win those kind of games. But what is, what's wrong with, with Carolina's power play? What's wrong with like their scoring opportunities their top line really isn't clicking and their top players haven't really started dominating just yet. It's kind of been Brandon Smith and unlikely heroes and Ian Cole. So what's, what are the Rangers nullifying there or what's, what are they struggling with rather?
2: So the Carolina, uh, the hurricanes power play was an issue all throughout the end of the regular season too. So this is nothing new. And you would think based on the talent that they have, and they absolutely positively have that talent that they would be clicking a little bit more. And like, if you look at their season as a whole, they're only slightly above average in uh, offensive generation when you look at expected goals. So it tells you what you need to know. Like they're not generating nearly enough from inside the home plate area as a whole. And you could see a lot of point shots from them, which is fine if you get traffic in front, but at the end of the day, you're going to want to have some more quality looks in those scoring areas. And the Rangers do have a good penalty kill. Uh, it's all, it, look, it's not the Carolina hurricanes, a level penalty kill, which is an outright power kill. It's super aggressive, but the Rangers are good shorthanded. Like we've known that. And now when you have players like Tyler Mott back, who had like a little bit more offense and you have more options in your rotation, which they do with, you know, Kevin Rooney, they lost when, you know, Barkley Goudreau left. Now it's Rooney, Kreider, Zabanajad, Mott, Kopp. You have legitimate options up front that can push the pace of play and play well defensively. So that's going to disrupt Carolina from generating, uh, you know, on the power play in general, as for their top lines. It hasn't been Ajo's best postseason, and in in round one, you could see he struggled a lot when he got the Bergeron matchup, which I can't fault anybody for because if you're going against Bergeron and Poshnok, uh, I'm sorry, Bergeron and Marshant, potentially with Poshnok as well, which they did at times, like, good luck coming out on the other side of that, looking okay. Uh, for this, he hasn't gotten the zabanejad matchup as much in, you know, the first two games of the series because they stuck Jordan Stahl on zabanejad instead, which worked out very well for them but you would expect to see a little bit more from them at even strength. And I think game two, he played a little bit better. So that's like, he's trending in the right direction, but the hurricanes, like you said, they have a lot more to give, you know, at the top of their lineup and, you know, through their depth and on the back end too, like you would expect to see more instead of the unlikely heroes that we've seen so far.
1: Jenny, can you speak a little bit about what it is that Jordan Stahl does that makes him so successful against that? top line for the Rangers it's I I know it's something that gets casually mentioned on the broadcast where it's like oh you know Zabana, and Crider are struggling because they're playing against this super defensive top forward line for the hurricanes but what specifically is Jordan Stahl doing that just makes him a fucking nightmare to play against
2: <laughs> so he's just a really good defensive center like he's when he's on the ice generally there isn't much going on in the canes defensive end and if he's on his game and like there were some iffy underlying numbers offensively last year but you know when he's on his game they're also driving play to the quality areas as well so he's tough to play against because you know he's smart with his decision making and there's like a risk reward strategy definitely when you play defense when you know whether you can like jump up in the play when you can't when you can go a little bit deeper and you know I think he's nailed that balance so he knows when to take risks the other thing is I think he knows when to use his physical strengths to his to his advantage. If you're going to make a hit, you're going to try to separate a player from the puck. And, you know, he's smart with his stick as well. That's, I think one of the biggest things with the Hurricanes is how active they are with their sticks to try to get the puck away from their opponents and to keep play in the offensive zone when they, you know, their opponents try to break out. And he's good in all those areas. So that's what makes him so tough to play against. You know, he's he's very smart at even strength and on the penalty kill. And he knows how to disrupt teams from trying to play to their strengths. And even if they're trying to just get into the zone, he's very good at battling opponents to stop them from actually gaining possession and starting to create offense.
0: Has there been any particular adjustments that Rod Brennamore has made that's sort of surprised you so far in this series, or is it just kind of par for the course so far?
2: I think it's par for the course. I think he's shown like he's really smart with tweaking his lines and to his advantage, he has a very deep lineup where you can mix and match players around. So, Max Domi moved up, we saw at the end of round one, and obviously that worked out for them in game seven when he came up really big with, what was it, two goals and an assist matching the goal scoring he had throughout the whole regular season with the Canes. But below the surface, his play wasn't at that level. So very quickly in game one, that was the adjustment we saw in the third period was moving him back down and rebalancing the lines because as much as he did for them in a game that counted he if i remember correctly was matching up against the kid line and shot attempts were 9 to 1 in the rangers favor while he was on the ice so knowing when to tweak your lines and you know moving up teravine into play with aho is one of those tweaks as well and knowing the combinations that work and i think there's something about how he trusts his players like it's it's something uh he described about his penalty kill earlier in the year when i was working on a story about it it was how he trusts players like aho and teravine in those situations and it's because they Play on the power play for their own team they know how you know players on the power play think because of it and know how to disrupt it better but even within that there's you know smart usage they're not going out there for the initial draw they're going out on the fly so when a power plays legs might be tired that you know end of the first unit or even a second unit these are the players coming over the boards with fresh legs to start disrupting play and try to exit with control and generate something on the other end of the ice so I think there's just something to knowing the strengths of his players and knowing when they need a boost and when to make the adjustment, which is something that we can complain about on the other end of this matchup.
1: Yeah, which brings us to the other end of this matchup. Uh, The Rangers ahead of game three. Ryan and I had talked about how essentially the first two games of the series, they're really just four forwards you can count on. The kids and Tyler Mott. And we had wondered if um, the Rangers would go with a strategy of putting one forward on every line that is definitely working to try to jumpstart every other forward. And shockingly, that's exactly what Gallant did at the beginning of game three. However, that only lasted until the Rangers had a two goal lead and then Gallant's like, well, my other lines might've been more defensive. Why don't I go back to that? So my first question is, um, do you think those changes helped? And then my second question is, are those original lines actually better defensively? Because for me, I'm not so certain.
2: I think when you change lines, especially for a coach like Gallant, who doesn't as often, you know, I does think I, I does think I do think it sends a message to the players like you need a spark. Get your asses going. You know, if if this is a coach who touches never touches his line combinations and actually doesn't makes a statement. Uh, and in the first period, they were good the second period, they were not a very good team. Uh, I think they only generated below 20% of the expected goal share, so you could see that in the second period, they were getting their asses kicked, so it made sense to make the adjustment for the third. Was putting back those other line combinations the answer? In my opinion, absolutely not. Um, The Rangers' top line was clicking. Kreider Zibanejad and was they were playing really well together. It was the other combinations that they weren't getting enough from, especially Panarin's line, and that's a line that they need to figure out a way to get going putting back the combinations that I don't want to say have failed them in games past, but haven't complemented this lineup, the way that you think that it could be, I think is troublesome. If Panarin's line is struggling on either end of the ice, there are other options. You know, Lafreniere has had so little time to play with that combination. So you could have, you know, put cop back if you must, or you could have tried Vetrano there to hope that it would bring offensive offense was what you're looking for in offense only or a player like Kako who we know clicks there or you have the option of Mott as a makeshift Jesper Faust who we know works there Colin Blackwell which is a role we know Goudreau and Hunt didn't thrive in but it that top line the jet line the Rangers finally had clicking so to turn it back to a combination that hasn't worked for them is really perplexing. I know Frank Petrano can bring offense, but we also know he's a streaky player and most players are, but there's a reason he's a depth player and he isn't very good defensively. So that's the most perplexing of the bunch for me. Um, But no, I don't think going back to the same combinations is the option that they should have gone for. If, if anything go for another tweak.
0: There's the one tweak I've been calling for, for a very long time is Putting Kako back with Panarin and Strom. has you have you ever seen anything that would allow you to make the conclusion that Panarin and Kako don't play well together? They had those ten game stretch; they were awesome. There were rumors that, you know, that Panarin didn't like playing with Kako. I think Rick wrote that before his retirement, really quickly, in like maybe one of his final articles. There's been whispers other places. Is there a reason, technically on the ice, why they might not work together? Because what am I missing here?
2: It could be clashing skill sets. It could be, you know, Panarin's a player who likes to play with the puck. And he's the player that can skate all around the offensive zone with possession. He's not a player that's going to sit there and wait for the puck to get to him. And Kako, at his best, can be a player that is very strong on the puck and can cycle around as well. So in that regard, it could be clashing a bit. But it could have also been that they liked having... Not that they didn't like having Kako, but more that they liked the kind of player that they had in that combination for two straight years, which was Faust or Blackwell, who are players that are very strong in their own zone without being a weight offensively. And there's such a difference between being able to be defensive stability and actually facilitate play. And there there are players around the league who are very good at it. And those two are definitely high up there. But if you think back to like Tampa right now, you could look at Andre Palat or years past you know, it was a player like Vlad Nemeskov, like a facilitator. That might be what they prefer to have on that line. So it's the two of them really generating offense. And I do think that makes sense, but the Rangers haven't found a way to replace that. They tried with Goudreau. It didn't work. They tried with Hunt. It didn't work. And cop actually has offensive skill that it works because he is so good defensively, but right now it's not working. So obviously they have to move on from that option. And I think it's like, I want to pump the tires of someone like Tyler Mott, who I think would be a fit in either role in the top six, because he's a frequent shooting player, which if you're playing with Panarin, you're going to want to have a shooter with him at all times. And someone who has a little bit more shot volume than Strom might be a little bit more complimentary. And Strom's a good passer too. So having someone that can shoot alongside those two players does make a lot of sense. And he's strong in his own zone, but, um, If we're looking at the Rangers lineup and going like Tyler Mott's answer, it just shows like as much as they address their depth, maybe they still do need a little bit more um, because you're not going to be looking like if you look at that bottom six, two of the players on the fourth line, you would never suggest moving up at all. So it would help if they were willing to play with Kaka or even if they would get a shot to see if it could work again or to see if someone else fits there because they do have to figure something out with that combination.
1: Well, riddle me this, Shayna. How different does this series look with a healthy Barclay Goodrow?
2: I don't know. That's a good question. Uh because Barclay Goodrow can Barkley, win a
0: face-off. Like that's what the Rangers can't do.
2: Yeah, like one, he can win a face-off, and two, if he doesn't win a face-off, he knows what to do to try to win the puck back. And that's their biggest problem because you can get away with not winning faceoffs if you are aggressive enough to get the puck back and they aren't. Um Barkley Goudreau's advantage and the thing is like we do when we talk about him a lot of us think of the contract put that aside for a second don't blame the player for taking the money and we can also look at the fact that he played in a top six role longer than he should have again that was a problem with the Rangers depth, less him in the bottom six he's a very good player to have and what's good with Barkley Goudreau is he's a bottom sixer with actual skills with the puck he does not have stone hands so when you want to match up your bottom lines as a shutdown line against another top offensive line, you need to have players who can handle the puck. And that's the issue with say a Ryan Reeves. He's not a great puck handler. He doesn't have great speed and good a better skater than him and has better hands. So that would help round out the bottom six. It also helps because he can play center just having that option, even if he's only slotted on the wing to start, right? If you went Mott, Rooney, and Goudreau, You have that option to move up as a center. So if it's a late game defensive zone draw, you could see, you know, coaches put out two centers in case someone gets tossed that you have that other option. He gives you that flexibility. If you lose a player to injury or you just feel the lines need to be shaken up, you have another option that if say Heedle gets moved to wing, you have that other center. So for a ton of reasons, he gives those advantages. Plus he's a good penalty killer though. As we're seeing Carolina doesn't have a great power play anyway. But it's say if the Rangers were to advance, they're going to need to up their penalty kill game, even though it's good. It's going to need to be as sharp as humanly possible against whoever comes out of the Atlantic Division, and that's likely Tampa Bay.
0: It is likely Tampa Bay, isn't it? Uh, for a lot of reasons. But uh, we'll see. This, this podcast will be out. They might have already won the series. So we'll. Uh, yeah. We'll, we'll, <laughs> that's incredible. I can't believe it. The Rangers might have to play till Monday if, they, if this series goes seven, uh, which it might. Uh, what do you put the Rangers' chance at of coming back and winning this series? I know Carolina's so, sort of the heavy favorite right now. Uh, they've won; they're undefeated at home in the playoffs. The Rangers are going to have to win an MSG on Tuesday to take this to Game Five. Uh, where are you at in your in the the mentality of the Rangers moving on right now?
2: I think the Rangers' game one through two periods was super encouraging of what they could do on the road, and we know Carolina's won every game at home, so it's getting past that if. If the Rangers can take a game from Carolina on the road, that's huge for them. And they're going to have to, you know, there's two more games being played there between five and seven. So they have no choice but to win on the road. Um, and that means getting past the matchup game too. That means making sure Jed's line can get past the Jordan Stahl matchup or that they're going to have support elsewhere. And if that means the kid line, if the lines are kept the same and there's reason to believe they will be, um, the kid line actually gets more opportunities or the Panarin line gets clicking, which I don't know which you would count on happening first, the way things are going right now. Um, and it'll take Igor Shosturkin playing like Igor Shosturkin. So I think the fact that the Rangers were able to keep game one as close as they did is encouraging to think that they could battle back. But like you said, it doesn't feel like we've seen the hurricanes yet at their strongest. And that's what should be a little bit worrisome for the Rangers because If say Carolina wins game four and the Rangers have to win game, you know, the three straight games that's asking for a lot against a team that we've seen play at a higher level and, you know, in the regular season too. And we know they have more to give. This isn't us looking at the hurricanes being like, well, they're not playing at their best. Like we are the Florida Panthers going, what's going wrong with them. We're not asking what's going wrong with Carolina. We're just going, Oh, they probably have another level.
0: Agree. And one thing I really would like the Rangers to do, and this is a surprise to nobody. Can we just have a game where they blow the other team out? Like can we not play a one goal game or a game where we have to fight and claw back in to win? Can we just have a game where we win four nothing and it's rosy peaches, we have a great time, we go to game five. Just one time, Rangers. This whole playoff has been stressful. Every single game has been a battle, claw, scratch, grit, grind, heart, outmatch, out but out must, everything. Everything. You can't just I I want one easy night, Shayna. Can I have it?
2: I mean, I hope so, just in the sense that, like, my boyfriend's as superstitious as it gets, and the superstitions are growing, and I'm tired. Like, I just (laughs) want (laughs) to, the shit that I have to do, I was, like, in game one, it was like, oh, you wore this outfit the day they won, you have to wear it every game, and I said no, and then they lost, and it was like, you have to wear this every game, and I'm like, I don't want to do laundry every other day, and here I am, and every little tweak in tradition, I'm like, it's a lot. So, and I get it because I, a thousand percent used to be like that. Like what, before I ever started writing ever anything. And I was just a fan watching. Like I had crazy ass superstitions. Like, do you remember the triple overtime game against capitals in 2012? Was that the Stu,
1: the Stu Bickle game?
2: Uh, Or was it Gabrick? Did Gabrick score the game winner?
1: I'm thinking whichever one I'm I I know there was a Gabrick one, but I'm also just thinking of the one where Torts put Bickle out there. He played four minutes and the Rangers played like seven hours of hockey that night.
2: Yeah. Okay. I know what you're talking about. I feel like these are two different games. But so my superstition was one of the games I sat on the floor for the second period and they started scoring. So I'm like, well, guess who's sitting on the floor the rest of the game. And then the third period I would sit on a pillow on the floor so when I went to overtime, I'm like, well, I guess I'm stuck down here. And I did that for an entire playoff run. Like I would not, if first period I get the couch, the rest of it, I'm sitting on the floor. So I get the craziness of it, but I'm, I, I would just like to have an easy, an easy night when I'm watching these games that it's not like I have to be uptight. Cause I'm not like, I'm just, you know, I'm just hanging out. I'm watching the game. I'm clipping some video and stuff. And then I'm writing about shit afterwards. So A little less stress would be. I'm
0: pacing, screaming. You know, very normal stuff. Very normal.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I uh, I I had the pleasure of my roommate was simply trying to nap on the couch yesterday during the third period, and when Tyler Mott's puck was very slowly trickling down towards the empty net, that not only would seal the game for the New York Rangers, but would seal the first solutions break by Sam K Parlay of these playoffs. Yeah, I lost my fucking mind. He thought the house was burning down. It It was. It was a very hard thing to explain. Uh, Jay, my next question for you, uh, um, you're going playing. a little
0: robotic for, for some reason. A little I don't bit.
1: know why. Oh, well, kiss, kiss my hands. I don't know what to tell you. I'm fine. Nothing's moving. I'm not doing anything. Is it fine now? No,
2: no, <laughs> <laughs> we're just like, I think we're both understanding you. And yeah, we like I understand that you perfectly.
0: Normal. You just sound like Bender.
1: Yeah. So uh-huh. um, how about now? We good? We're good. Yeah. Okay. Are you sure? Yep. Can I continue yeah. podcasting now? You can, for mission yeah. granted. Okay, fantastic. Shayna, what yes. I was saying before I was rudely interrupted by the internet, um, obviously there are still some games that need to be played, so opinions mm-hmm. can change, but your overall long-term view of the New York Rangers, is it better, same level, or worse than before these playoffs started?
2: Mm, I guess it's better in that. I think it's good to get the playoff experience in for the people who have not had it yet. So Shesterkin, Hedele, Lafreniere, Miller, Kako, half of the roster, no big deal. Adam Fox. I think it's good that these players are getting playoff reps in. At the end of the day, like that's something that I'm sure will help them in the long run. Is their le- level of playing necessarily inspiring me? No there are games that they're pulling out of their ass. And I think that's great and wonderful. And it shows what happens when you have elite players or get lucky and things like that. And I, it's not, it's not like I'm trying to say that they're playing poorly throughout the playoffs, but I think we all know that they can play better um than how they've shown, especially in round one. And I also think that there were legitimate issues with this team fundamentally at five on five throughout the regular season. We knew about this and because they didn't get fixed as much as, there were improvements in their defensive play share, even though that all went to shit in round one, there were issues with their offensive generation. And that's still a problem at five on five. And sometimes I think that not sometimes all the time, I think that teams and coaches can get very stuck in their ways. And I think having, you know, chemistry on lines is important, but being able to adjust and being able to go with the flow of the game and figure out how to go from there on the fly is very telling. And I don't, see that enough so and i didn't see it enough in the regular season so i i think that there's a lot of work to be done still you know that is not going to happen overnight in these playoffs i think that they need to become a better team at sustaining offensive pressure and things like that And i think they have to play in a way that they can translate it to the playoffs a little bit better too because now we're hearing you know they don't want to be trying stupid shit and things like that and i understand that's how well, it works they should the try playoffs, stupid shit it... for
0: the blue line it works
2: that's, like, what they do. That's that's just it. Like, going back to the Panthers, and maybe it's because they're on in the background, but the Panthers the entire regular season were one of the best teams generating offense off the rush. They played this high-octane offensive game. That's what made them great. And at the deadline, they did strip away at that a little bit by going for Ben Chirot for the grinding, physical defenseman. But it's not like one player all of a sudden rocked the boat too much and that's what it is but they're not playing to their strengths. Whether it's just that their opponents have scouted them well enough to know how to beat them and how to stop them, that's possible. And they're not tweaking and adjusting as much. And then you can look at the coaches and you can look at the players, you know, from that perspective of that's what they're not doing. But if they change their game in a way they felt they had to, because it's the playoffs and you have to play a different way It's burning them a lot because here they are on the brink of elimination and we can pinpoint 50 things that they're not doing in the playoffs that they did in the regular season. So back to the Rangers, if the Rangers aren't generating offense and a player like Artemi Panarin is not playing to his strengths, and let's say he's not injured. We don't know, but let's say he isn't injured at all because that's one easy way to explain that he's not playing at the level we expect of him. You should want to see Panarin doing his thing. I understand pumping the brakes on some other players. But when you have an elite player like Panarin, like Fox, like Zibanejad, you don't put that on them, especially when you see that they're getting their asses kicked earlier in the series, uh, in round one. You want them to play to their strengths. You want them to play in a way that they were able to be successful all season. So if you're not letting them do that now, that's going to hold you back as well. So if they can't trust their style of play in the playoffs, then they need to figure out a way to make it more sustainable in the regular season. And that it translates to the playoffs.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I just, I do think that the Rangers need to play, like, the comfortable game that they're they always used to playing. You don't ever want to just change your style or how you've played all year when it comes to the playoffs. And I think that's kind of what happens with the Florida Panthers, like you were alluding to, where it's—they've tried, tried to adjust. They've come into a team that's very good in the Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, and they've stopped being themselves. And when you stop being yourselves, so you end up losing. Now, the Rangers have played okay these first three games versus the Carolina Hurricanes, but I do believe the offense— which, you know, at five v five has never really been there all year long. It's always been the power play. But I do know that they have the transition game to really kind of open up some of these games on their own. The the Carolina could take wrong shots, could take shots from the from the blue line, and those could lead to rebounds, so lead to rush, which will lead to serious scoring chances for the Rangers. And I do kind of expect that to be the game plan for game four. Uh, because that's kind of where their bread and butter is, right? It's the Russian transition counterattack team. Win with the power play, and Igor Shesterkin is insane, and that's the formula for Rangers hockey.
2: Yeah, that is that's that's it right there, and it got them here, which is great. But like like you said, like these were issues they had during the regular season too. Like they that this is a team that's really good at finishing off the rush and having the saves off the rush, but they never generated as many chances off the rush as other teams around the league. They were just successful on the chances that they did have, so. Ideally, they can figure out ways to improve that. But are you going to do that against the Carolina Hurricanes team? That's one of the best defensive teams in the league. Like, I'm not so sure about that. Carolina Hurricanes are one of the best teams at limiting passes in the offensive zone and stopping teams from moving the puck to the slot. That hurts the Rangers. Absolutely. But did you see them do that in round one enough? No. Are they trying to do it here? If they tried it and it burned them and then they tightened it up, that's one thing. But they're not even trying to play to their strengths. And I just don't think that a team should be dumbing their game down for their opponent. You adjust if you need to, but first you have to try.
1: Coach Shana, uh, your lines going into (laughs) game four would look like what?
2: Ooh, good question. I'm Um, on fire today. What would my lines be? Okay, I would go... Hmm. Okay, I have two ways. I would either go Brighter, Zabanajad Lafreniere... Panarin, Strom, Mott. Ooh. Um, Cop, Ketel, Kako, and throw Vitrano on the fourth line with Rooney and Reeves.
0: This is interesting. I like it. Let me check with my strip club guy. He likes it too. Okay.
2: (laughs) The best sources. (laughs) It's not that I would go prior Zibanejad. Mm.
1: I know you want to say Mott, because Mott is what I would do.
2: I know, that's it. That's exactly what I would do. I've been bitching about this for the whole first round, like throw Tyler Mott up there the second he got healthy. So, yeah, I'll stick with that. Zabana mm-hmm. yeah. Zibanejad, Mott. Canarin Cop Kako. Oh. Lafrenier, Strom, and Heedle. I don't care who plays the wing, who plays center. And, again, bumping Frank Toronto to the fourth line, because... If they can generate it, give them someone with hands who can finish. Um, but no, you know, it, it's funny. Ryan Strom, uh, last year, he moved between Lafreniere and Kako for a minute. Line did not get much ice time together at all. They created so much offense in that time. And it's like, I get keeping Panarin and Strom together, but neither one's playing at the level they should be, which is why it's kind of like, maybe you should rock the boat a little bit and mix it up. And cop and and play together in the regular season. Like that's why it's so important to change up the line combinations at the end of the year, not for nothing. Like the Rangers were in the playoff picture for a very long time that they could have started to screw around to see what would click. And I understand when they brought in new players, then it's, you know, fine chemistry with those combinations too. But when we talk about maybe they felt that they had to play a safer game for the playoffs, they had the time to practice that they didn't do it. You know, they worked on their defense. Sure. It didn't really help them at all in round one. It seems to be helping in round two, but they didn't do it. You look at a team like Colorado, and they were like, we're going to just start trying different combinations because we want to know if our lines get shut down like they did last year against Vegas. We have answers, and we have versatility within our lineup. And you look at them, you go, oh, maybe that was a good idea. So that's something I would like to see. But those are the combinations I go with.
1: So normally, I've, I've been a big mod top line guy, especially this series. However, do you see... Heedle has had a great playoff, right? I think mm-hmm. the three of us would agree with that. But did Heedle ever look better than he did in the first half of that game playing with Kreider and Zibanejad?
2: He looked really good in game one. He looked of uh, this series, too, with Kako and Lafreniere. And I think he's a really tough call because I think that there's a million reasons to keep him with one of Lafreniere or Kako because they do have chemistry together. I don't. I wouldn't have any issue if you kept him on the top line then. And you go craters, Zibanejad, Hedl, and you have to build around that. Then go Panarin, Kopp, Kako or Panarin, Strom, Copco. And then, you know, the third line, let it be. Then you're keeping Lafreniere on the third line. But then you go Lafreniere with either Strom or Kop because you need a center there. And then as, as your right wing, you could go Vetrano, or you could still go Mott, and just see maybe if they gave Mott to the third line the coaches would trust them a little bit more in defensive situations
0: fun all right uh shana we gotta get out of here fun thanks for coming on appreciate it Why don't you plug your new podcast and by new i mean three years old but re rebranded and re-pumped and re-ready to go
2: yeah you can listen to the too many men podcast we're coming out with episodes like three to four times a week uh we talk about everything and every you know anything like the Brady Kachuk show and we'll be talking a lot about strip clubs in Florida tomorrow and the, I'm just saying hold finished.
1: on if I'm just I don't invite myself on podcasts but if you're doing a Florida strip club podcast and Greg Kaplan is not involved with it are you actually <laughs> doing a Florida strip club podcast I'm just saying I
2: think you have a point we got to see what drama unfolds it depends like if the lightning
0: this we're is like connected. if you were doing a Magic the Gathering podcast and I wasn't around.
1: It's very similar. <laughs> the, only, the, only way, the only way a podcast could ever be more, Greg, is like, too many men. We're going to compare hockey players to the New York Mets. And we're just going to like, <laughs> like, like, like that, would, that would be the only podcast in history where I would be legitimately more offended than if you did a strip club podcast and you're like, we're not going to bring Greg on for his thoughts? Come on. I have theories.
2: Well, I need to know, first of all, is it true – but second of all, I need to know what happens with this game because if the Florida Panthers win, then they, they have to go keep, to the strip club every, every time. That's
1: right. B- business gonna be Shana, business gonna be booming down in South Florida.
2: But then again, if they did this in Tampa and the series goes back to sunrise, then what do you do? But these are the questions. I, I'm I don't feel that we're gonna get enough answers, but these are the questions yeah. I have and I'd like to know.
1: Well, Shane, all I'm I, saying is, again, remember, Sunrise likes to call itself Miami. And if you ever wanted to go places in Miami, I think you're good. I think you're all right.
2: You should be. But then it's not the same superstition, unless the superstition isn't the one specific place, it's just the idea as a whole.
1: Now, I'm a big believer that you have to do the big, seminal event to change the momentum, but you can't do the event again because you would risk changing the momentum again. So you do it once, <laughs> you get you get off the schneid, and now you go about your bit. You don't you have to do something to change the tide. But once the tide's changed, you can't change it again. So you so can't no do that thing clubs. again. No, this, was, this might be a one-and-done strippy event.
2: Hmm. And they, they don't even have the chance to say, well, we lost a game, let's try it again, because then their season's over. Then it's
1: they helpful. can go whenever they want.
2: This is true.
0: Shana, thank you so hmm. much for coming on. Enjoy the – enjoy. I will listen to the strip club episode. And many more, of course, associate everybody else. And we can follow you also, you're writing on TheAthletic.com as well. And we'll be back uh, later this week. Uh, actually, Greg and I will be back way too many times this week. Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday if needed. And then next Monday as well because we, that's yeah, what we, we do this podcast. Again,
1: people, we're going to warn you. If the Rangers win a game either Tuesday or Thursday, Saturday, Ryan and I are at the exact same bachelor party. And it's not going to be oh pretty. Oh, my god. No, it will not. You
0: pretty. If you were ever wondering what a BSBOT after a game six loss or win to force game seven sounds or to win the series, uh, the Rangers win four in a row here. Uh, sounds like while well, Greg and I are in interesting places, boy, are you in for a real treat?
1: So yeah, you want you want a you want a strip club podcast? Tune in Saturday. That's all I'm saying.
0: Yeah, BSBOT going to be the most interesting BSBOT we've ever recorded. So. Good times. Love you all. We'll talk to you then. Bye. And we're at the end of the show, so I want to thank our NHL Insiders Club supporters, uh, where we have all the fun chats in our private Discord channel and talk about all the interesting secrets and things like breaking down tape of Panarin giving fist bumps and some other wild stuff because we're all psychopaths. Why not? So without further ado, Adam Cassie, Adam Cohen, Aaron McCurtula, Adam Keech, Alex Garter. Amber Burger, Anthony Turk, T- Tana, God, Tana Gretta. I got that one now. Tana Gretta. I always one take these, just so you know. I don't really go back and redo them. Ben Waters, Ben Weber, Brett McGinnis, Brian Doyle, Brian Gallagher, Brian Mallon, Broadway Blue Shirt Bleeder, Chris Benelli, Chris Haru, CJ Stell Lagging, Conrad P. Demich, Daniel Dayzen, David Eridan, Dennis Dice, Darian, DJ Banana Jazz, Eric Stag, Garrett Granis, Give Gardner a Cup, Gretzky, Garrett McFly, Handle, Harrison Hasco, Hip Hip 89, Hal Sauce, Ian Rodriguez, Ian Usher, Jake B., Jimmy, Jamie, F- ä- Filippone, Filippone, Filippone. It's one of them. Ja- Jerry and Marquez, J.D., Jimmy, My- Jimmy Mac, John Hardy John Shea, like Shane Stadium, Jordan, uh, Josh Kestenbaum, Justin Friedman, Justin Starr, Kristen Florida, Christoph Berg, Laura Ross. Thank you, Laura. Lisa Krakowski, Luigi Ardan, Lucas K, Flitching the page, Matthew Kine, Meepal the Cat, Meepal the Cat, Meepal the Cat, Mike Bucklaw, Neil Grover, Nicholas D. D. Nicola, Pascal Perrier. Pavel Kozarev, Randy Tesser, Scottish Grand Sean Taggart, Stigbulbach, Swingard at the Drop, BK, Tommy Tommy Welsh, Tommy Sinclair, Tommy O'Neal, Tommy uh, Tom Marsh Jr., Torrey from Manhattan, Upstate Van, Vinny Brocco, Vinny Hay, Will Specter, and Winston, the Golden Retriever. Gotta say, thank you to all the fans who showed up uh, to the game on Sunday. I know Sunday afternoon games, like it's a playoff game, I shouldn't be thanking you for this, but I'm not just thanking you for showing up, but the reaction to giving, Igor giving up one of the Softest goals of maybe his entire career, and just having the fan base sit there and go, Igor, 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 and it just like grew louder and louder. I was like, man, this is—it's not often. I—I'll be honest with you. When I'm at a Ranger game, there's sometimes I get angry Ranger fans. Notably, uh, when Henrik Lundqvist was trying to give his speech, and everyone kept yelling like, "I love you, Hank," and we all know you love Hank. That was not a problem. We we all we all love Hank, and uh, I I've I, my Feelings of the potfin, Fin Suck Chan is very noted. You can find it a million places. Don't really like it too much. But to have Igor come out and let up a softie and everybody just be behind him at the same time, I was like, oh, man, we got something special here. This is the good stuff. This is the love. There's, there's nothing like New York sports. Uh, I know New York sports hasn't been the dynasty that other cities have been in the past couple years. But when you're at a game, the ruthlessness... The pure emotion and passion and the crazed fans. But to have a moment like that that's just emotional and just be behind your guy, uh, that was really special for me and I'm sure Igor as well. Mostly Igor, not me. Mostly Igor. But I did enjoy it as well. Uh, we'll be back with BSBOTs later this week. Uh, by later this week, I mean literally tomorrow night after Game 4 post Game Game 5 post game on Thursday. Game 6 up in the air. Greg and I are both going to be in a bachelor party. At the same bachelor party. Uh, I guess I'll bring my, la- my stuff, but... Uh, it'll be a bachelor party. If we have to record after the game, you can only assume what's going to happen. So, uh, I'm sure it'll be a good time. We love you all. We'll talk to you soon. Let's go Rangers. Let's, let's tie this up for uh, two, two and go back, uh, go back to Carolina for game five, tied up. Love you guys. Bye. Checking, 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 checking.